I think the minute I stepped on our practice field for rugby, the calling happened. An eight-year plan to be on the team. And I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro. Right. And I walk around with a rugby ball sometimes and they're like, what is this child on? It looks like it was a heavy hit. It's up. It's not up. You know, that's the first time I played like professional. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And there's two Scottish guys and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. That rugby is a game for all shapes and sizes, all cultural um, aspects. You looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. Yo! What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rugby Swag. My name is Gift Gift Time at Baylu, and breaking news, USA Rugby, no, MLR and World Rugby are breaking up? What? Yo, did you see the Rugby World Cup results from this past week? What? USA Rugby has a new general manager for high performance. Get the out of here and so much more that we're going to be talking about in this show today but before we get started i need you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button hit that follow button and if you have not already done it go ahead so you can keep up to date on any new shows or episodes that come out of course the tags and everything that goes on along with it and of course please check us out on our social media instagram.com slash rugby swag or just search at rugby swag and on Facebook and Twitter, or I'm sorry, X, go ahead and check out at Gift Time Rugby to be able to get updates and to just be able to communicate and send your information through. Y'all, I mean, you, you gotta you, you gotta let your friends know. We are not the lowest rated show in rugby because we want everybody. We just want the best. And that's the way we need you to send it. I need you to send it out to those people. All right. That's how we keep keeping it tight. But other than that, yo, let's keep it between us. All right. I love it. I hope you guys have had a good week. I had a good week, man. I enjoyed the hell out of this past weekend of games. And uh, there was just there's just so much happening within a short period of time. So, you know what? I'm not going to hold us any longer. Let's go ahead and get it started. So for our first story of the day, man, this is breaking news. It happened last week Friday, I believe, a little message that got thrown out on X. You know, whenever a person is trying to kind of be a whistleblower, but like, you know, it's not to anything that's like mind-blowingly important and you don't actually know who this person is. That's what kind of happened this past weekend. Whenever it was announced that Rugby Pass, aka World Rugby, and the Rugby Network were no longer going to be in partnership with each other. What? What now? I don't know if a lot of you guys know, but the Rugby Network, the famous streaming channel that was is used to be able to stream Major League Rugby matches, have been done for high school matches, has a little bit of content here and there, but primarily has been the depository for Major League Rugby matches over the course of the last couple of years. They are actually, they were actually in partnership with Rugby Pass uh, that had basically helped them set up the uh, infrastructure for what their web their streaming service is going to be. Uh, Rugby Pass last year got purchased by World Rugby, uh, and so under it all, it was under the guise of World Rugby being the purchaser. Now, now, the thing is, the Rugby Network is trying to go into a different direction, slightly different direction. Ironically, Rugby Pass is also going to it. We talked about it in a previous episode with RugbyPass.tv being announced and World Rugby working to be able to be a media hub. If you guys have been watching the Rugby World Cup consistently, you guys can see that a lot of extended highlights, a lot of documents, basically a lot of stuff that would have been on Rugby Pass, which formerly was a subscription service, now is ending up on RugbyPass.tv, which is a quote-unquote free-to-air uh, service. So anybody can access without having to pay for it. But the rumor of this is, and don't hold me to it, you know, this is just this is a little bit of research. You never know. The Rugby Network is looking to try and get some subscriptions under their belts. Yo, they're really trying to change. And a lot of that news goes into them getting the Gallagher Premiership Rugby um, matches uh, from Europe and trying to put it on the platform. Now, uh, clearly they are trying to increase viewership and actually do something with it. Um, but why does that have to do anything with removing themselves from World Rugby, Rugby Pass? Well, apparently they weren't able to do subscriptions at the time. And so if you're getting matches like this, they are clearly aiming to try and build at least something bigger. And the Rugby Network is owned by all the owners of the Major League Rugby, you know, 
teams themselves. So this is going to be an interesting direction where is there going to be uh, some bigger advantages that Major League Rugby is going to try and take advantage of uh, in terms of uh, developing media, developing better content? There's been talks that they did articles and stuff. Maybe. I I don't remember ever seeing them, but, you know, there's some people that have said that they did, which is cool. You know, do what they got to do. But, but I have to say I'm genuinely... Genuinely impressed by the owners in disassociating themselves from world rugby at this point. I do hope that they have a bigger vision for it, but, man, I'm happy for that because I don't like world rugby having their fingers in everything. And clearly world rugby has a vision that they're trying to do on a larger, on a global scale that is kind of about, you know, you know trying to run the media space for rugby in general. There is a little bit of a negative, though, and this goes back to the Gallagher Premiership uh, uh, rights. My concern in that is that the Gallagher Premiership was actually available on Peacock for a while. You know, NBC has been gobbling up all the rugby rights up until, I think, at least 2040, give or something, and uh, for the Rugby World Cups and the Junior Rugby World Cups. And they had the Gallagher Premiership as well. But they dropped it. Uh, And that speaks to a little bit of the viewing audience. Now, obviously, the Rugby Network has a pure rugby audience that's going to be watching it. So probably a little less uh, carriage and more subscription can be based from that. But um, I'm hoping that they're not building their support of a subscription system on just that alone, because if they are, I think they're going to feel the same kind of uh, disappointment that clearly Comcast, NBC, Peacock uh, felt with that same premiership. Uh, and, you know, we also know, you know, it's not necessarily the most interesting, you know, professional league in the world either. But but it definitely is is still one that has uh, a lot of impact within r- world rugby or the rugby world itself so i'm i'm interested to see where the rugby network is going to go with that i'm interested to see how far they decide to take the rugby network because obviously as a streaming platform you know there is a lot of ceiling in terms of your control and what you can do with it but if you don't know how to use it right or you don't use it right or use it in the most minimalistic way, you may not get the returns that you want from it, especially if you're trying to put things behind a paywall. And that one, that's where we got a little bit of concerns going into it. But that being said, hey, I, I still stand by this. Separate yourself from Rugby Pass, from World Rugby. Uh, let them go do their thing. You go do your thing because you got your own battle that's going to have to be faced with that. And this is at least a place where you continue to develop the autonomy. So shout out to that. Let me know your thoughts on it in the comments or or hit me up in the DMs uh, the rug, at Rugby Swag Show on IG. Uh, definitely let me know what the thoughts are with that. Yo, I'm going to let you get right back to it, but I want to talk to you about one of my favorite brands that are out there right now. Actually, I'm going to show you right quick. This is Ketogenic Coconut Bread Mix. This is a specialty flour blend that allows me to be able to eat almost whatever cakes that I want. Now, coconut is not typically one of my favorite flavors, but this has absolutely killed. And it's not just because it has great taste, not because it's just easy to make, but it's because it is absolutely not going to destroy my stomach. It is gluten-free, but not nasty. Uh, This is something that has been going on, and this company, Health Enhanced Food, has so many other options to be able to do and provide and customize to the needs that I wanted to. And this is something that I think we all know, especially in this world, it's hard to eat grain flour nowadays. It's not good. It's destroying the stomach. People are getting new and new diseases, and you need to have some new alternatives. So I suggest definitely go check out Health Enhanced Foods. See what kind of bread you can make. And no, it takes 20 minutes to be able to make something from it. They have a slew of options, and they are well knowledgeable in their ingredients. Everything is transparent. Everything is made in the U.S. and then some. So in the meantime, if you guys could support the show and go to Health Enhanced Food, and you can use coupon code RUGBYSWAG to be able to get 10% off your first purchase order. 
That's rugby swag. And you guys can go ahead and get your bread journey going on today. That's just your cakes, your pies, your bread. And, of course, with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming around, you're going to need it. Healthenhancedfoods.com. Let's get back to it. We had one of the interesting Rugby World Cups um, matches this past weekend. You know, it. We're this is week three that we're in talking about, and uh, you know, it, I, I'm not gonna say that there wasn't there, there there wasn't an upset. There was disappointment, I think, obviously. But uh, the games, I think, went most of the way that they're supposed to. But let's go do a quick review on what it is that I had said for last week versus what's going to be going on this week. Let's get this. Let's hit that music, baby. Mm-hmm. All right. First game up, man. We had Italy versus Uruguay. Now, I had said that this game was going to end up being a Italy uh, 30, Uruguay 15 game simply because of the fact that Italy is clearly far better than the highest tier two teams, but way worse than the, a lower end tier one team. So I assumed that they would have a little bit of a struggle early on, especially coming off of a um, break from play. But I think ultimately they were going to end up dominating this game. And guess what? Boom! Final score ended up being Italy 38, Uruguay 17. I was two points off, uh, give or take, two points and eight points off. But really the thing that really stood out was that I was even correct about the first half. Uruguay was up 17 to six in the first half to be able to take it because Uruguay had the uh, momentum on their side coming off of such a close game against France. Like how can you not come in with that confidence? But, of course, as it always goes, the cream always rises to the top. And Italy absolutely took it up in the second half and completely dominated Uruguay the rest of that game. They woke up and did their thing. So there was no surprise about what was going to end up being the results from that game. So, boom, we got that one. Next up, we have France versus Namibia. Now, I said before that last week, this wasn't the game. You know, I it's not a game. Namibia had already shown that they are not on par with anybody in this competition, especially in their group. And France absolutely was going to show out for the embarrassment that they felt from um, playing such a close game against Uruguay. And they 100% took it out on Namibia. Now, it doesn't also help the fact that uh, DuPont, their scrum half captain, broke his jaw on the head of a Namibian player off the tackle uh, in the 44th minute of the match. So uh, you lose your captain uh, to a team that you don't have much respect for in terms of gameplay. Uh, and they turned it up. I thought this game was going to be 90-3 to uh, France over Namibia. Just, just knew it was going to be an absolute blowout. Didn't realize I was going to be as close as I was. Uh, game ended up being France 96, uh, Namibia Zero. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they, they they really let it all out on them people. Next up, we had Argentina versus Salmo. Now, last week, I said I thought Salmo was going to end up pulling off something like what Fiji did. They had a tough game against England early on. Made sense, you know, tough to do. They had a great game against Chile last week, and I know they played a tough game against England the week before. So I figured, hey, you got your legs underneath you. You're finally kind of finding yourself once again. Argentina, I don't know exactly who they are in the sense of they haven't been playing like what we expected them to play. You know, they haven't been really good. They haven't been bad. We had a disappointment against uh, a disappointment against England, and then some, you know they were on break the week before. So who knows? But I expected this to be a close game, but I thought Salmo was going to take this 20-10 to 10 over Argentina, uh, really showing what it means for the islands to be able to get their players back and then be able to move forward from there. But, uh, you know, uh, watching Salmoa, you know, again, I mean, they're a great, they're a solid defensive team. Um, but also, you know, Argentina really really doesn't play as hard as we've seen them play in the past. 
But this game still ended up being favorable to Argentina. Argentina ended up winning this 19 to 10 Samoa, uh, to Samoa's 10. So I basically flipped the scores in my initial prediction. Got it wrong, but had flipped the scores in that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not impressed. It wasn't an impressive match. Um, Argentina, I felt if they were going to do anything, they should have been able to dominate because I think they slightly do have the upper hand. But um, again, Samoa, I guess watching Fiji all this time, you would think that because Samoan players are able to play for Samoa again, you'd see the elevation go up. But I just, I'm not feeling it from that Samoan team. And um, Argentina just is underperforming. Even though they got the win, I still think they're underperforming uh, like crazy. And I, I don't know what's going to happen with them moving forward. But, yeah, we have it for that. Next up, we had Georgia taking on Portugal. Now, this is what I call the bottom bowl. Um, you know, uh, Georgia and Portugal absolutely are not doing anything in this stage. They're not going to be moving on to the playoffs. Uh, and I know we say knockout stage, but uh, we Americanize it. So it's the playoffs. Um, and uh, But I, I thought Georgia had a much better uh, 15s team than Portugal. I know Portugal has been playing um, fluidly in their game. Still getting beat, but, you know, they seem like they know what they're doing. Um, and they do have actually very speedy backs. But I always thought Georgia was a more powerful team, better control ball, and they were just capable of being able to do more over the stage. I've said in the past, I thought Georgia was the next best 15s team in the region uh, next to Italy. Still above and beyond, Italy is above and beyond, but Georgia would have been the next one up. And I predicted that this game was going to end up being Georgia 30, Portugal 10. Well, that was not the case, man. Portugal was able to slice through that Georgia team. Uh, even, honestly, Georgia's scrums were not as strong and as powerful as I thought they were. Now, I got told uh, from a friend of mine that a lot of Georgian players play for France, and a lot of those French top 14 teams were not allowing them their players to go play for Georgia for the Rugby World Cup. I don't know why, but apparently it seems to be the case. Uh, but that being said, it led to Georgia and Portugal tying 18-18. Portugal had a chance to be able to win, but was not able to make the kick. And look, kicking is the name of the game in this Rugby World Cup because it is making a difference in a lot of these, these major games. And I don't know if it's made this much of a difference before in the past. But um, I will say Portugal plays better than I expected. And Georgia did underperform to what my expectations were. Uh, but at the same time, you know, these are still two uh, tier two teams that are trying to find their way up. Uh, and and honestly, you know, it, it, it gives a little rise to what could be the possible future going into 20, uh, 2027 and subsequently 2031 and uh, 2035 20, uh, uh, moving forward. Next, we had England versus Chile. And uh, again, England, I, I, they're on a mission. Remember, I, I still feel like they have the most punchable energy in rugby, uh, just the way they go about things. But this is a game that I think was going to be easy for them. Chile has not been a competition for anybody that they've played, really. Um, and England is definitely trying to warm up, trying to hold on to that number one spot. Uh, they are definitely... They were not the ones that I expected to come out of this round. Uh, to be I didn't think they would be coming out of the group stage, but they've clearly established themselves as being the number one seed in this stage uh, um, for for pool uh, C. So I look at them and I said, "Hey, this is going to be a blowout." England 60, Chile zero. Well, I wasn't totally off. England ended up wiping Chile off the planet. England 71 to 0. I was off by 11, and it wasn't for Chile's side. I, man, that was that was tough. I thought Chile was gonna at least get three points on there, but man, man, almost makes you feel glad that the U.S. did not end up going to this because that would have been our spot right there too if we beat Chile. All right, next up was a game that I think easily easily was the best game of the week and I think is oh my god I hope it's a championship game again with South Africa versus Ireland now I said before, like two weeks ago 
uh, whenever France and New Zealand played against each other. I thought that was a boring game until the last 20 minutes. Like it didn't just it didn't feel like anybody was really gonna do much, right? This South Africa versus Ireland game, right off the bat, hits powerful. I honestly was came into this with the expectation that South Africa was the best team in the in the uh, tournament, and despite Ireland having the number one position. But their biggest issue for South Africa was going to be their kicking. And, man, we saw it. I, I expected this game initially to be South Africa 14, Ireland 10. All right? I knew it was going to be a close game. I knew it was going to be a drag-out battle. These two teams facing each other again for the uh, second time in a year. Um, you know, and, and once again, in the Northern Hemisphere. But, oh, man, it was, it was good. But that kicking game really actually played into a negative for it. South Africa would end up losing 8 to 13 against Ireland. And honestly, that 8 to 13 is really because of kicking. Now, people will say that there was four kicks that were missed that uh, impacted um, South Africa. But I'll say there was only three that were actually missed that actually hurt uh, South Africa. Because the first one, the first missed kick was actually advantageous because it put South Africa into a position to get their first and only try of the game. So you got to wipe that. I'll take it five over a three any single any day. The thing that hit it off of that try was the missed kick by uh, Thief to Kirk on the conversion. Like what in the? F I'm sorry. That was yeah by Thief to Kirk on the conversion. Like how do you miss the conversion? All right, like that one was a must because that would have put that game up 10 to 3. And there is a completely different mindset that goes into how you play at 10 to 3 versus 8 to 3. And for this um, South Africa-Ireland game, like all the points matter when it's done. After that, we had the drop kick by Kirk to Fife, and then we had another penalty kick missed by uh, Lovett. And it's just like... Man, South Africa, in my opinion, dominated Ireland's um, Ireland's defensive line and Ireland's uh, forwards. In fact, I would even make the argument that even though uh, South Africa lost Max Max Manili, uh, their their hooker, their original hooker, I think that the guy that they and they lost him in the previous game, but I think that the guys that they put in in the second half of the game far better um, front three than the ones that they put in in the first half itself. And I, I was like, like the South Africa team is actually really pushing around this Ireland team. I, I, I said, I didn't know who Ireland was in terms of like, like the way that they're playing, like who are they? Are they really a battering team? Are they a speed team? Are they opening things up? And honestly, I still don't really know who they are, except for they're probably one of the, if not the best defenses be, um, from the five to the goal line. Like, their defense between the five and the goal line was top-notch. Their defense between the fives, I, I was like, South Africa absolutely was gutting through them. I don't think South Africa is, is a worse team. And them getting to be the second seed most likely out of this group is... Man, it's questionable. But you know, you win to play. You play the game to see. <laughs> you, you you win to play the game. You play to win the game, right? Like this isn't about you know what you expect or what is theoretical. It is exactly what happened on the field. So this one was, whew, this was a toughie to be able to watch uh, because of South Africa's inability to take advantage of the small points. Whereas Ireland absolutely did. They only got one try off the edge. And honestly, even that one was like, eh. You know, but those kicks, they made the kicks that they were supposed to make. And that's what makes a difference in the game. And uh, it, it wasn't even like Ireland started gaining momentum. South Africa was in it. South Africa might be the best team. I, 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 like, if they can get a, their kicking right, I think they're the best team for the World Cup and very likely for a week. All right, next up we had Scotland versus Tonga. All right, I didn't have high expectations. Tonga's just not a very good team. You know, it's a lower tier two team. Um, you know, 
strong heart, but not not much. I expected this game to be 35-9 Scotland win over Tonga. Yo, Scott, Tonga came in with more hot than uh, more heart than uh, I gave him credit for, um, because even though uh, you know Scotland scored more, slightly more than what I expected, uh, Tonga actually did some work out there. And Scotland, the final score was Scotland 45, Tonga 17. So, you know, big shout out to them. Scotland's got a big match against Ireland that's going to determine a lot of who the seeding is because, uh, man, it, it's anybody's game. Scotland is not one to sniff against, and they do also have a great defensive uh, hole. They are great tacklers. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Then the last game, <laughs> the last game of the week of this past weekend was Wales versus Australia. Now, we, we knew the stories that go. There's even more to it that, that comes afterward, which we'll talk about. But, you know, Australia had just come off losing to Fiji. And honestly, I wasn't surprised by the loss to Fiji. But, you know, Australia, now their future was no longer in their hands. Wales has already been topping the stage with, with two wins. And, uh, you know, what was going to happen? I said this was the third time Australia and Wales are going to meet up in the uh, group stage. And uh, right now it was 1-1. I predicted that this was going to be a very close game and it was going to be a slopped out battle. That Wales would end up overtaking 16-9 in this game, that game. Well, I was wrong. Australia sucks. I mean... I've no, I, like, I've said it before that they were they've been a slowly downfalling program for the last decade. Like since I know 2015 was eight years ago. So, but you know it's since getting to that you know second you know runner-up position for Rugby World Cup 2015, the country and its rugby union has been dropping and dropping and dropping and it showed out in this game when Wales absolutely dominated Australia 40 to 6 and honestly Australia does not look impassioned and and I didn't know the news beforehand it happened but it makes sense as to why Australia just didn't care and especially the people that was left behind um, you know Eddie Jones definitely is feeling all the heat but you know, I put it on the players as well, too. Like, y'all sucked. Like, y'all sucked. I mean, I know you had, don't have three of your best veterans, but my God, like, y'all are still, like, been playing forever. Like, you are still a generationally dominant team. I'd expect you guys to fight. But man, Wales was just kicking Australia's ass the entire time. And it's just like, Australia didn't want to be there. And it was just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And Australia... I is definitely not gonna make it up to the group stage. There's just they're not making it to the playoffs. And it'll be the first time in Rugby World Cup history. History that is that is 36 years of Rugby World Cup timing that Australia will not make it on to the playoffs and get out of group stage. And that is that is a hit. You know, uh, uh, Australia, man, that, man, pandemic hurt you guys, but y'all were sinking ship for a long time. So, all right, that's all we got for the recap for today. Uh, let's go on because this next story is going to add another enlightenment to what we got going on with Australia. Before I let you guys get back to it, I want you guys to go check out RugbyOutletMall.com. Yo, this is the place where we are bringing in casual rugby wear. We're trying to set up the designs, make sure that we are giving you something to represent rugby. That's not just a jersey, and that's not just your kit. It is something that you and your friends and your mama and your kids and your parents and your best friend and your wife and your husband and your boyfriend and girlfriend and your they and just make sure that everybody is able to rock some rugby gear without having to necessarily be stuck to any one type of rugby gear. We want it for your day-to-day, -day, everyday life. I know that's redundant, but that's how beautiful we want it to be. You know, definitely check out our most recent update, our rugby swag show shirts uh they're available now for purchase you guys can get it and for any first time buyers 
I'm talking to you. Yo, I'm giving you guys 20% off the first purchase. Take as many as you want, 20% off the first purchase. And of course, if you guys get on the newsletter, you guys are going to see more coupons and discounts that come along with that as well too. But 20% off, and all you guys need to use is coupon code Grow Rugby. That is G-R-E-A-U-X Rugby. Great quality gear. Definitely something for your presence, something to be able to give. Obviously, we just got past the year, so that means birthdays are coming out. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and you have so much more. Yo, hook your family. Hook your people up with what's right. Hook your people up with what's right. Go to RugbyOutletMall.com and enjoy out. And, of course, it helps support the show and our media endeavors. Let's get you back. Y'all, if you are trying to be able to get your name out, whether it's for business, whether it's for work, whether you're just trying to do something personal for a friend or family, you need to stop utilizing social media as the sole place where you put all your stuff. You don't know when the algorithms are going to change on you, and you don't know whenever the rules are going to change. So what seemed like it was okay yesterday might not be today. And what does that mean? You need to have your own home, and that means having your own website. That's where Green Geeks comes into play. Now, Green Geeks is the place where you can create and build your website in the cleanest host in the game. I'm talking about environmentally. Not only that, they'll provide you with a free domain name and free template builder so that you don't even have to think about having to create your website. I've used Green Geeks for almost a decade now, and I have been so satisfied by everything that they've been able to provide for me. No matter whether or not I know what I'm doing or I don't, they have 24-7 support for me every single time I need a question answered or I need something to be changed or I need to be updated on any information. And the best part about this is that I'm not limited to any of the websites that are need to be used. It uses a WordPress foundation, which allows me to have access to limitless amounts of templates that are available to be able to use for any version of a website that I want to have. And the best thing about it, the best thing about it, it costs me less than $5 per month to do. And that can be the same for you. All I needed to do is click the link in the bio. If you're listening, definitely click it in the description. And if you're watching, definitely click it in the description as well. But you guys, this is something that everybody should do. You don't have to just do e-commerce. Your website is the place where you have control over what you want. That's your house, not their house. And go ahead and get that with Green Geeks. Once again, click the link in the description to be able to get your first year at under $5 per month. Guys, it's the best decision, I'm telling you. Let's get back to it. (laughs) Now, coming back on some world rugby news, man, let's talk some Eddie Jones because it was brought up right before the Wales-Australia match that Eddie Jones, all right, the head coach currently for Australia, came in Earlier this year, was told, hey, man, let's shape up and ship up this Australian team that has been failing uh, consistently from the Kiwi that was uh, coaching for us just this last uh, last four or five years. And, uh, yeah, this hasn't, been, this hasn't been a good experiment so far. I think the people from England have been joyous. Uh, people from Australia have been punching poisonous snakes best they can to try and antagonize them to make them end this pain that they're feeling uh, from watching Australia. But this one really put the nail in the uh, put the nail in the coffin, to say the least. And that was Eddie Jones, Eddie Jones out here taking interviews from Japan. Bruh. 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 Eddie Jones is taking interviews from Japan Rugby Union about taking over as their national coach, uh, the national team coach again. And if you guys don't know, um, just before Eddie joined England, uh, uh, Eddie Jones had helped lead Japan, uh, especially in sevens, uh, to a third-place finish with surprising wins over um, South Africa. And then in 2019 for the Rugby World Cup, absolutely upsetting teams to a top five finish for Japan. Like, 
Eddie Jones coached the hell out of a really good Japan team and and brought him to to where they needed to be, which is where we started to see uh, England uh, call up Eddie Jones and say, hey, let's help bring up our program again because we having difficulties. And for what it's worth, you know, do what you got to do. You do what you got to do. But, man, Eddie Jones just I, – I don't think that this is a win-win situation for anybody, to be honest with you. Um, for Australia, to expect that a guy who, even though he previously coached for you, he's definitely not a fan favorite with your people. You definitely needed a spark. You definitely were falling. You definitely needed to make some major moves, but you just didn't have enough time to do what you needed to do. Um, and then, of course, Eddie Jones trying to, you know, speed up the process and get ready for 2027. As they say, as they get ready for Australia to be able to host and to bring in new guys and to test and not really get to bring the best so that you can try and compete at this Rugby World Cup. Like, it's just, there's no wins over here for anybody. Australia Rugby Union has been terrible. Terrible. There's been so much overcorrection in trying to invest into super rugby and work this top down, which isn't necessarily bad whenever you're building celebrity, but it's terrible whenever you're not replenishing your own base. And Australia is a country that actually has sporting options. Cricket is their number one sport. Um, rugby league has absolutely taken over and they have done a great job in creating flash. That is an entertainment product right there that I am shocked that nobody has tried to continue to emulate in rugby union because they do a fantastic job in putting together, uh, a, a entertainment product with rugby and play great rugby league rugby out there. Um, and then, of course, you got soccer, you got baseball, uh, basketball, and you got Australian rules um, football. So you're competing against a lot of options. You only are a country of about 22, you know, 22 million people, 25 million people. Uh, most of your team, your rugby union team, are coming from two states. And you're doing a horrible job in feeding into your community game, which has been what's fed into your professional game, which is what feeds into your national team. And you're just losing. And top of the fact that you've been taking people from Fiji and the islands as well. And you're still not able to compensate. And then, of course, the pandemic comes. You almost go broke. Like, it, it has been a bad series of decisions and plays and, and entitlement for Australian Rugby Union. And the Eddie Jones situation and what's happening with Australia now isn't the cause. It's simply a symptom of those bad decisions either way. So um, even though Eddie Jones, I, it's kind of jacked up that you're taking calls in the middle of group stage play while your team is underperforming, um, that's that's wild. That's wildly disrespectful. But, I mean, it's just a layer of nonsense on top of the bullshit that um, Australia Rugby Union has been dealing with and going through and presenting all together. So, um, that being said, hey, the punishment, hey, if the punishment for the U.S. for underperforming and not taking – our rugby series and not doing a great job in creating a better grassroots community while also creating so much infighting and bullshit means that we didn't get to go to the Rugby World Cup this year. Yo, Australia gets punished by the reality that they're not impervious. Like, they they absolutely are not impervious to losing. And being unable to move on to the playoffs is a huge slap in the face, and I hope this ends up being the wake-up call for them. I hope I hope it ends up being the wake-up call. Who knows? I want to hear your thoughts on it. Let me know what you guys are thinking on this one because this is, this is something right there. This is something. So this one's a little bit of an interesting one for me uh, because, you know, I, as we get to the next this next story, uh, it speaks again, USA Rugby, and, you know, we're trying to get our stuff together. But um, this week, USA Rugby made a hire. Uh, well, technically last week they made a hire. Uh, for a general manager for the high-performance camps. Now, uh, if you guys know, high-performance means, you know, the USA 7s team, the USA 15s national team, this, the, this element of it. And, you know, we've been working on creating a system to be able to attract and bring and develop uh, players from the uh, grassroots side, whether the club, high school, collegiate, 
academy sides and find ways to be able to funnel them so you can hopefully get the best talent. Well, USA Rugby decided to invest in yet another non-American. Apparently, they said it's it went through 50 people. And of those 50 people, um, Tamara Shepard uh, ended up winning and, and getting the job as general manager for high performance. Uh, looking at what USA Rugby wrote, it seems like she was a high performance manager for Australian Swimming. And uh, was able to do a lot of great competitions for that. Got several golds. Created an elite level um, to be able to go with. I mean, it's an interesting pick. I don't know anything about her, so let me not criticize. You know, maybe she legitimately is a great pick, and there was nobody in the U.S. to be able to do it. But you know, you, you, you get to this point where you're just like, dude, how how incompetent are we in rugby that we got nobody in the U.S. Can do anything with rugby, but like we're bringing people not even from rugby into the rugby sphere, but we're bringing a swimming person that creates a structure. And I mean, again, I, I am not against, you know, I'm not nationalistic like that. I, competitively, yes, I'm not nationalistic like that. Where it's like, no, you can't do it. But I find it incredibly strange that the U.S. that is perennially or at least quadriennially every four years a competitor in just about any major sport basketball swimming you know whatever of all those people that have created a perfect lineup of of systems to pull from the high school through the collegiate into uh the olympic sports performance camps you couldn't find anybody from the U.S. to be able to help with the systems? And at least another person? Like, is this because they're using academy systems in Australia? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't really get it. And um, I, I wonder if this is something that World Rugby uh, had a hand in because World Rugby is puppeteering USA Rugby to an extent. They they still get uh, decision making. They might not be puppeteering. I remember the uh, conversation that um, Ross Young had uh, several months back about um, the state of USA Rugby. But you know, it, there's decisions being made, and um, I just I find it find it weird. It's like going to I don't know. It's like going to New Zealand to be able to find somebody to show us. Well, I can't really say that because Tai Waititi does this thing. But to be able to, you know, direct a uh, a Hollywood franchise altogether and take Tai Waititi out of the equation. But, or you know, it's like going to England to be able to tell us how to run the NFL. Like, it's... It feels very weird because, like, oh, yeah, they, they have a system, but, you know, we're the entertainment capital of the world. I don't think anybody can deny that. I, obviously, there's influences everywhere else, but the U.S. is an entertainment capital of the world. Uh, the U.S. is arguably probably the highest spender in sports in the world um, overall, um, especially non-governmentally. And you couldn't find anybody to help organize the high-performance system? Like, to be the general manager, I mean, you know, kudos. Kudos. It just seems a little odd to me. That's all I'm saying. Just seems a little odd. But, you know, it is what it is sometimes. It is what it is. But congratulations to uh, uh, Tamara Shepard. I hope she does a good job. Um, And I hope that um, it, it really does work out because we need to see our, our teams come back, and uh, we really need to find a way to be dominant in the world in rugby because these people really are talking too much, and I'm just not liking it anymore. <laughs> it's not funny anymore to me. Um, I mean, it's a little funny, but not funny in that way. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Yo, and for this next one, hey, this is going to be a, a regular thing because if you guys know me, you guys have been following me, I am an HBCU rugby guy, all right? This is my passion, my love. I love these guys that have been playing and developing and building HBCU rugby. So a lot of what I'm doing is going to be centered around developing that area of rugby specifically. And so I wanted to actually give a little bit of um, – a little bit of a shift over, and uh, we're going to talk some HBCU rugby. Uh, schedules will come out, 
uh, for the ones that are able to that have their schedules ready. Uh, and this week we got our first rug HBCU rugby matches. Uh, first and foremost, the, the Division Two um, defending runner-up champions of the nation, uh, Howard University Women's Rugby. They are going to be taking on their first D1 team in their team history as they go and face off against University of North Carolina. I think this is a great match. Um, you know, I know that uh, we saw a great Cinderella program happen last year with uh, Howard University women's team. They completely demolished their competition in their area in Division Two, and then ended up beat, getting really beat down by a very experienced team out of California. Um, and so going into this year, obviously the best way to be able to make up and be able to come back strong is that you got to up your competition because you got to know how to play with the best above you so that you can take on the best within your league. So I love this move for university. Uh, I love this move for Howard University. I love this move for University of North Carolina. Um, not to take away from it, I know North Carolina hasn't been exactly the most dominant team in D1. If you guys know, I'm sorry, University of North Carolina is in D1. Uh, but, you know, it's still good to be able to use them as a uh, test track. You know, see what it is. See where you're at early in this this fall because you want to be able to be ready for the spring and make sure that you have the women all set up. You know, Kat, Aversin, Asanu, who you guys have interviewed on this. You guys can look back. You know, she's got a focus and a vision. She clearly knows what she's doing, bringing in uh, people to be able to help with coaching and be able to continue to bring that Howard University women's team up um, to that next level and continue to make it a sustainable program. So a lot of a lot of kudos uh, to them for taking this one on. So it's happening on the 30th. So that's Saturday that's happening. Also happening on the 30th, you got Prairie View A&M starting their first uh, match. And they're going to be taking on Stephen F. Austin. Uh, again, Prairie View A&M is a team that has been, they're the second longest running um, HBCU program in the you know, country uh, with, Morehouse literally beaten them by just months, by just months. But um, they are really actually looking to be able to make a little bit of a push. Again, it's a program that's growing, a Division Two program that's developing and growing. And they're going to be see you're going to be seeing more of them because we're putting some time into them. Um, Stephen F. Austin, solid team, typically always gets some quick guys. Um, it should be interesting. Another D two, it's like a D two competition. But, you know, you know, it's a great warm-up, and it's great to be able to see them getting their things started this fall. And that's all we want. Like, just, just get it up and running, and let's see how far we can take this. Uh, the other HBCU teams, Howard University men, they're going to be coming with their schedule. Uh, Morehouse College just entered into NCR. So big congratulations to them. So we get to be able to see who they're going to be competing against. I look forward to it uh, because they've been, they've been levitating in the independent stage a little bit, and it's very difficult to find competition um, in that way, despite the fact that Georgia does have a lot of competition. Uh, Morehouse College is based in Atlanta, for those who don't know. But I am so happy for them finally entering into at least some co college competition. NCR has been doing great things. So I'm looking forward to being able to see what they're going to be able to do. It's a talented team, uh, well-coached. My guy, Saif Safir, um, Saifed and Saphir, uh doing great job with trying to coach these guys and get the culture together and keep them going. Um, and, you know, it, it's been a great program overall. So uh, look out for them uh, and look out for more information that we're going to be keeping up with HBCU Rugby and all that good stuff because this is what I do and this is what we're going to be doing on this time. You feel me? <laughs> all right. Yo, let's hit this commercial. Hey everybody, this is just the break train sending out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where I am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. I needed help and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is an extroverted tour de force. But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Woo! Yeah! Woo! 
Gift, where are we? We're in Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, Central! Yeah! Rugby is, is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries! We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet, at that critical moment, Friends, family, sometimes complete strangers come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. Watch the full adventure at crugby.vhx.tv. That's C like S-E-E rugby.vhx.tv. All right, y'all, let's take a look at what these rugby predictions are going to be looking like for this week. We're at week four already. We got two weeks until the playoffs. Yo, it's about to get real over here, all right? So let's get it kicked off right away. First off, we got Uruguay taking on Namibia. Now, I said Uruguay is actually kind of a decent team. They're not good, but they're not bad either. Like, I actually think that they've built a lot of confidence off of this Rugby World Cup and actually have something to really build on. I'm being a top team in the Americas. That's both North and South America. But Namibia, look, I think Namibia has been over their skis from day one. They have not been able to keep up. This has been weighing above, and kudos for them qualifying when they did. Uh, I look at your Uruguay to be absolutely take it to Namibia. Uh, it's not going to be a runaway game, but it's not going to be a close game. Look at this to be a 35-10 game Uruguay over Namibia. Next up, we got Japan versus Samoa. Now, this is a game that's super important because both of these teams are going to be basically fighting for second position in uh, their pool. Now, Japan, I think, has the upper hand on this. Samoa, I wasn't impressed what they did with against Argentina. Obviously, losing to Argentina, obviously losing to England doesn't help anything. But beating Chile, you know, adds a little bit of a, a, a little bit of flavoring that goes to it. So, uh, when it comes to this Samoan team, I don't feel like they are the most dynamic team that you have here. Um, I think they're great. They're a good defense. Good defense. Um, they're weak in kicking, and I don't think they have any dynamic players. Japan, on the other hand, I think is actually keyed up to actually move on. I think they have far better backs than uh, Samoa does. I don't think they're as strong with their defense, but I think they have better passers, and they move the ball far quicker than Samoa does. Japan is going to be hungry to get this second position and go once again move into the playoff stages again i look at japan to actually win this it's going to be a tough one at the beginning and i think japan runs away with it in the last 20 minutes uh 25 to 10 japan over samoa next up we got new zealand taking on italy now this one uh, look on paper it's two tier one teams that are facing against each other in reality uh new zealand far surpasses Italy and I even think New Zealand is weak this year but Italy while they have done a great job in beating up people that they're supposed to beat up I don't think that they have the tools to be able to take on an actually fully equipped New Zealand team I don't think this is going to be a blowout game but I don't think this is going to be close either I think Italy will put up a good fight because they do have good players they do have good players they have done some good stuff but I think New Zealand has something to prove once again. They are on the edge. And if they lose this game, their future into moving into the knockout stage is out of their hands. All right, it, It's now on the onus that Italy would have to lose uh, a significant game, plus not get bonus points, which would be against France. Um, I look at New Zealand to take this game and bring the full force, uh, winning this game 40-25. to 25. Um, I think Italy, obviously, like I said, Italy's going to bring it stuff because right now they're technically top of the bracket. Technically top of the bracket. I mean, what can you say? Go with it. We got Argentina going up against Chile. Now, 
I think historically, Argentina has absolutely wiped out Chile uh, most of the time. But I think there's something special in this one. Uh, number one, I don't feel like Argentina is bringing their best team. Like, they're not playing their best. Um, and two, I feel like this is going to be a rivalry match. I mean, these are two countries that are right next to each other. It's like, yo, I'm not about to let my, I'm not about to let my cousin come over here and take it from me. And I feel like Chile is trying to show something. I remember the celebration and the applause for that Chile coach whenever he beat the U.S. to be able to officially qualify for the Rugby World Cup. Like, uh, I think they're going to bring that same energy to this Argentina match. One, because they don't have anything to lose. They've been blown out over and over and over against, against teams that are just significantly better than them. But also at the same time, yo, this is my brother next door, all right? I took your coastline and you took my interior world. I got some mountains, but you got most of them. Like this is the battle of this is the battle of the bands right here, all right? And I think that this will be a closer game. That being said, I look at Argentina to actually end up taking this game. Definitely again, second half run away and just honestly talent superseding um, will. And Argentina getting this one at. 35 to 16 match uh, against Chile. 35 16. Next matchup is Fiji versus Georgia. All right. This isn't the game. All right. Fiji is basically slotting itself up for that second seed in their group. They are trying to move into the playoff stages for the third time in Rugby World Cup history and like the first time in almost 30 years. So it's like, uh, no, I don't think Fiji is about to bow down to Georgia. Uh, I don't think they're going to play down to Georgia. Georgia's a tough team, but I think Portugal showed they're not that great. All Every team has kind of ran up against them. Again, they're scrappy. They play tough, but I think Fiji just simply has the skills, the power, the size. It's not even close. Look at this to be 48 Five. Fiji over Georgia. We got Scotland taking on Romania next. Once again, this isn't a game. This this is not a game. I'm not even gonna go into a full analysis. Romania sucks. Then literally qualify. I don't know how they qualify. I, I genuinely don't know how they qualify. But yo, kudos to them. It's really great what they've done, and I hope they've enjoyed the time in Paris and getting to have all the applaud and enjoy. Romania is a dope place. I love my Romanian friends out there. Scotland is about to run over them, 66 to zero. All right, they are going to completely crush them. Like you are a stampeding uh, horse from the Budweiser commercial with the Clydesdale. We're going to run over them like Clydesdales over cobblestone. Just straight breaking them. All right, so 60, 66 to zero. On this. Uh, next up, you got Australia versus Portugal. This one, ironically, I don't know exactly what to make of it because I don't think Australia is playing for Eddie Jones anymore. I don't think they care. Um, in fact, I think they're all ready to go back home. I think they've already given up. I think they saw the writing on the wall that they're not able to uh, make it into the knockout stages. And they are just like, they're just in automatic mode in the sake of like they're capable of playing, but I don't think they have any passion. There's nothing going to be charging them. Portugal, on the other hand, I think Portugal is feeling the fact that they were so close to winning their first ever Rugby World Cup match versus Georgia. But they missed kicks, killed them. I think Portugal's got some speed in the back. But that being said, I mean, it's still, I mean, Australia's still talented. And at its raw limit, I think they're still a better team than Portugal. Uh, I think Portugal's going to play nice and fast early because they're motivated. Um, Australia's going to slag, and then they're going to feel their embarrassment kick in. And then all of a sudden, they're going to shoot it up. I think Australia takes this one in a closer than it should be, but not really close when it comes to the end. Um, 35 to... Uh, three game versus Portugal, though I do think it's going to be like 9-10-3. No, 15-3 at halftime. But yeah, this, this is definitely this is definitely like 35-3 match. Australia over Portugal. And then lastly, uh, the final game, South Africa versus Tonga. Tonga's going to get destroyed. All right, Tonga, again, they play with heart, they play tough, you know, but they just, they don't have it. They don't got the talent. They don't got the speed. They don't got the size. Uh, South Africa is the vicious 
monster trying to eat everything. I think they're ruining the fact that they lost to Ireland. I think they're really pissed off that they missed kicks that could have taken them over. And I think they really hate the fact that most likely they're not going to like who they have to play in the quarterfinals because it's just unnecessarily more difficult than it needs to be. But I'm looking at South Africa to just absolutely crush and powder Tonga. Um, 70, no, 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 it's not going to be that high. Tonga's actually good. I think it'll be 55 to 17 uh, South Africa over Tonga. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be crushing. I don't think it's gonna be close at any point. I think there's gonna be like you know uh, pity points at the end for Tonga, but it'll be a good fight game. But South Africa is just—they're monsters. They're absolute monsters. Like they they do not care, and they have a mission of repeat. All right, like the beast did not just simply leave whenever the beast left South Africa. <laughs> oh man what do you guys think let me know your thoughts give it out that way and uh look forward to hearing from me all right our final segment of the day let's take a look at what the quarterfinals might be looking like right now because i think we have a very i think we have some spots that we are for sure set about obviously we just took care of some predictions but it's going to speak volumes to what we have going on next over here uh quarterfinals all right first and foremost look to let you guys know, quarterfinals start October 12th. Uh, we got basically two weeks in until it happens. Uh, it goes, the winner of Pool C is going to take on the runner-up of Pool D. Winner of Pool B will be in the same bracket side. Uh, um, and the winner of Pool B and the runner-up of Pool A will be on the same bracket side with winner of Pool C versus runner-up of Pool D. On the other side of the bracket, you got the winner of Pool D taking on the runner-up of Pool C in the same bracket as winner of Pool A taking up the bracket, uh, taking on uh, runner-up of Pool B. Now, this one, look, like I said, I think we already got some that are already set into place. I don't think there's any questions about that whatsoever. Like, it's, it's obvious. I think, number one, uh, the winner of Pool C is going to end up being Wales, all right? Wales has beat three people. They have nobody left. Like, the points might look like it's on their side. Yeah, there might be the, you know, slightest of slight chances. No, no. Wales has the number one competition. They got the points. They got the wins. Um, you know, it's let's we know what it is. Now, the, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to just go through the, 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 the pool winners. Winner of Pool B, I'm predicting it's Ireland. Obviously, they still have to beat Scotland, um, but I think that's a game that they're going to end up winning anyways. Uh, it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a tough one, but I think they ultimately end up winning it, getting the top seed position, and uh, being able to move in on that Pool B winner. Winner of Pool D, uh, this one is still, it's still up for grabs, technically, but uh, it's going to be England. Uh, England, I did not even think it was going to come out of the competition. I thought they had... They just they were in a rebuilding phase. I thought Samoa was going to be a lot better, um, but England surprised me. Um, they're far more fit, far more put together than I expected them to be, and um, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. So uh, England's going to come out of this one, and I think this is going to be uh, a, a great competition. Uh, this one is is basically almost set. And then of course, winner of Pool A, uh, it, it's France. It's France. Like um, it's it's going to be France. You know, so, uh, I mean, there's not much to say on that one. They've, they've done exactly – they beat their worst competition, which was their, – their hardest competition, which was New Zealand, right off the bat. Whoever won that game was going to be the top because everybody else is just stepping stones over them, even with the loss of their captain. I don't think that anybody else in that group is going to do any damage for France whatsoever. So, who cares? Now – on the other side of it, the runner-ups is still actually iffy. And even though I've said that there is uh, the the number one seeds for each of these group stages, but these runner-ups are still still up in the air. Number one, I'm predicting today, all right, today it's uh, the 16th, uh, it's the 26th, um, really, I guess, 27th. But today... I have Japan getting the uh, Pool D runner-up side, all right, uh, coming up alongside with England. Uh, now, obviously, it's really going to determine that they, one, beat Samoa, and, of course, they have to beat Argentina. Um, I think Japan is a better team than both of those teams, uh, and I think that they will actually end up getting it. I don't think they'll get extra points, but I think they'll, do, they'll beat both of those teams, so 
whenever it comes to the head-to-head and the points, I don't think it's even going to matter in that sense. But that is still very much up in the air. There's still a lot of game to play in that uh, Pool D uh, Pool D competition for the second place. But I, I'm predicting Japan to go in. Uh, next, I got Ireland uh, coming through. Uh, not Ireland. New Zealand as the runner-up to Pool A. Uh, France is clearly number one. I, I don't think there's anybody that's going to be beating New Zealand. Of course, New Zealand has to beat Italy next, um, uh, but that's that's basically it. And then after that, it's 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 nothing. So um, if if they do that, which they should do pretty pretty handedly, um, New Zealand gets that runner up B. So I'm predicting that they get that runner up A uh, position uh, taking on Ireland. Um, next up, uh, runner up for pool C Fiji, uh, again, you know, Fiji just has to beat Georgia and Portugal. They're, they're done with the hardest part of the competition. Lost to Wales, beat Australia. Boom. After that, dominate Portugal, dominate Georgia, get the, uh, get the bonus points, move on to the next round, uh, for the third time in rugby world cup history. Uh, so uh, not much to be able to add to that. And then the runner-up for Pool B, as of now, is South Africa. Now, the only reason why there's questions on that is because this can go in a lot of different directions. Obviously, they they lost close to Ireland. So um, Ireland is obviously most likely to end up getting this position. But but if Ireland loses to Scotland and and then loses again to... um, no, if loses to Scotland and then a South Africa is able to get the bonus points uh, against Romania and uh, gets the bonus points against Tonga. Um, yeah, if if they're able to get the bonus points against uh, Romania uh, and obviously get bonus points against Tonga and Ireland loses to Scotland, I think South Africa very well has a chance to jump into that number one spot. Even though the head-to-head is going to, you know, obviously put Ireland over um, South Africa, but those bonus points and the loss to Scotland might actually end up shifting the points over and giving uh, uh, South Africa a chance. I don't think it's likely, but it's a chance. So we'll see. But as of today, this is where I'm seeing the quarterfinals looking like. Let me know your thoughts on it, where you guys are feeling with it, and uh, let's see what we can do with that. All right? Yo, and that's all we got for today. Y'all, I am so happy that you guys took the time to listen, pay attention. Please, of course, let me know what you guys think. Definitely, definitely tell your friends about the lowest rated rugby pro podcast in the world. And if you think that they're cool enough to be a part of it, let them jump in. Otherwise, yo, don't even worry about it at all. Don't even worry about it. Let's have some fun. I appreciate you guys. And, of course, please check out some of our past episodes. Uh, definitely check out some of our past interviews. We're going to be getting these back up and going uh, over the course of the next few weeks. But until then, man, I hope that you are happy. I hope that you are healthy. And most, most, most importantly, I hope that you know that you are highly favored. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.